everybody in the NFL, I have a dream of making it in the NFL. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams. I'm into nightmares. Raider Nation! Episode number five from the Back Row Raiders show. Brought to you live from Oakland, California. The Network One, a.k.a. Reggie. Dreams, we the nightmares. Woo. Oakland Raiders be the squad, and we right here. Right here. Mad Max, yeah, that boy having a nightshare. Derek still clutch, he been doing it for five years. Yeah, Gruden got these boys out here killing dreams. Woo. Jacobs out here trucking dudes and killing teams. Yeah. 16, he be doing Ty William things. 16, always doing Ty William things. Yeah, Spider 2, I banana though. Welcome to the filth installment of the Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Hope you guys are getting outside it out there. We one step closer. States is opening up. Facilities is opening up. We making signings. Let's get it, everybody. Episode number five. Hooligans. What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in to the fifth installment. That's right, of the Las Vegas Back Row Raiders show. Hope everybody is staying safe out there. Like I said once before, we're going to get it started today. I got a nice, nice, nice show for you guys. Nice show for you guys. What's going on with the world? We got had something pop off in the last week that I'm excited to announce and excited to find out about. We... We'll be opening the state of California for sports team facilities June 1st. I know you guys heard that. I know you guys heard that. That's good news. That's a step closer to getting us where we want to be, and that's the football season this year, whether it's with fans or without fans. Um, June 1st, the state's opens, and also the Raiders training facility in Alameda, California, it's on the borderline of Oakland, uh, will be opening. So players will have the ability to get in and get treatment, Get in and get seen. There will be some contact. Uh, it's just in, in, in the right direction to possibly having a season this year. I'm glad they'll be utilizing their facilities here still in Oakland, a.k.a. Alameda County. Um, it, it gives a sense of community, like we're still a part of Raider Nation, and it does a lot of things for our city. Um, not just revenue-wise, sometimes practices is open to the public, which has diminished a little bit over the last couple of years. But being able to physically um, still be able to see the Raiders improve and develop is a good thing for the community here in Alameda County. Um, that being mentioned, I wonder if they're going to be using the training camp in Napa, California. And I think that would be extremely in the Raiders' best interest because it gets extremely hot in Napa. So the training conditions is not necessarily the most healthy, but they're optimum from a coach's position. You want you want the body to be stressed out from heat, exhaustion, because um when when a player is tired, when a player is 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 beat up, um every everything in their mind isn't firing at a at an A plus uh level, at, at an optimum level. So you you want to put those players in positions to be a little stressed out to see how they perform in those situations. Um stamina is key. Um, mental fortitude is key and you want to see who the hell go tap out you know we had that guy from um, the last chance you 
that the Raiders picked up. I think they didn't draft him. They picked him. Um, he was undrafted, but he didn't make it through the week three of uh, Hard Knocks. Y'all remember that? Just poor work ethic. Had the mentality of he just made it, and he didn't. He didn't. He didn't make it to the um the roster. Um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about was I found it interesting, extremely interesting that the Raiders, um, at the NFL are going to be keeping the roster configurations at a 53-man roster, even though we're dealing with this COVID. Um, I, I was under the impression that maybe there'll be some some roster extension or uh, to some matter because it's going to be a lot harder to evaluate these players. With, have we even had OTAs? Will there be a shortened OTAs? So I was always curious of what they were going to do about roster configuration. And it looks like it will still be a 53-man roster. The only change that will be happening, as far as I know, or what I've heard on the concrete, <laughs> keep our ears to the concrete, that is, um, practice rosters. Last year, practice rosters were 10 players. Now they'll raise the practice roster to 12 players with the ability to every game, if I, I, if I heard this correctly, they will be able to add three players out of those 12 to an active day roster. If one of those players is the office of lineman, mind you, mind you, we, we will revisit that, but it was something that I was wondering about would that be affected? And it does not look like it's going to be for the active roster. It's still going to be a 50 man, a 53 man roster, but the practice teams will be able to add two more players and two of those players can be used every week. Three, if one of those players is a office of lineman. So that brings um, a high emphasis on getting the guys you want into your camp, high value guys. And that leads me into our next topic is pipelines. I would always notice how um, the Raiders in, in pre previous years <laughs> was able to pick and choose certain players locally. If it was from Stanford, Cal, USF, uh, UC Davis, uh, Sacramento State, San Jose State, the pipelines they would create um, during the draft sometimes and after the draft, they would grab those hometown heroes. Um, and I, I think that these things, these pipelines are happening all around the NFL and has been for years. It never really became like in the frontal lobe of the mind here um, to think about it like this. But I've noticed uh, players locally getting picked up, and that's why we have one of the most excited, most exciting undrafted free agents, Javin White from the Mac House, McClymouth High School here in Oakland, California, signing with the Raiders. He looks exciting. He plays linebacker. Check out his highlights. I actually had some queued up here for you guys that are watching the live feed. We can check those out right now. I hope you guys are staying safe out there. This is no way to predict anything that's happening now with, with the COVID. Um, so I'm glad you guys are taking the time out to come listen to the podcast. Let's check out this highlight, and I'll continue for those of you guys that are watching from home. I can grab this real quick, and I'll show you guys about Javin White and talk a little bit more, a little bit more about pipelines. Here we go. Make this huge. Boom. So there's no audio on this one. I'll just show the video right now. But this, let me introduce you to most versatile player in the NFL draft said in January. Mr. Javin White went to McClymouth High School, national champions the uh, three of the last four years here in California. 
um, Division Two CIF. Um, so bringing players like that is monumental, and I'm glad the Raiders um, looked in their backyard to bring this young man along. I think he's going to be special. Looks like he's more of a coverage linebacker, but he has instincts and seems to be around the ball at all times. So seeing that they grabbed a former McClymouth High School player, I looked a little bit deeper. A lot of their um, two other undrafted free agents came from the University of Utah. Uh, we know they had eyes on a cornerback from Utah. Um, and it's just amazing to see like how teams are digging into their backyard, grabbing players locally, and the Raiders have moved from Oakland. They still grab somebody from Oakland, and they're gra- grabbing players from the colleges, and I'm pretty sure they're going to grab some, some local talent from Nevada. And you, you see it happening right before your eyes. And I just wanted to bring it to your, you guys' attention that this happens. I've noticed it before, but um, I'm really happy. The, the Raiders is uh, standing pat, Las Vegas or not, and we get to see some of our, uh, our local heroes, our hometown guys. So with that being said, let's move on to our next one. If you guys ever have any questions or want to add on to something I said, feel free to hit us up at the network one on Twitter. And I will drop the description in the show notes. Our next thing we're going to talk about today is, get my notes back up here. Um, there's always been this narrative with sports athletes. And I'm sick and tired. And I actually made this this podcast, um, I made it rated R because I didn't know whether or not I would be able to hold my 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 um, displeasure without cussing this stream. So we'll see. We'll see. Let's talk about what's bothering me here. Now, we know over the last week or so. We've been given a lot of news about some things that are negative and that's going on behind the scenes. These players are out. Um, we always want to say, uh, the gra- think the grass is greener on the, other, on, on the other lawn. So we got players that are going to parties and they're causing um, ruckus. We got husbands and brothers getting caught in, in Airbnbs and um, news outlets like TMZ's and Worldstar, and I don't know why I said Worldstar, but these 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 <laughs> these reporters like chaos. They want to see or want to report on things that is so negative, and it burns me the hell up to not shine some light on some of the positive things. I remember um, um, LeBron James speaking out to social injustice, and somebody I'm not going to say his name probably ever on this podcast. Um, said shut up in or her name i don't even remember who said it just dribble so we've created this uh uh-oh we've created this just dribble my elbow hit buttons um we create this just dribble narrative like that's the only thing that an athlete is about no this can't happen (laughs) that can't happen you look at these guys and you think that they're just athletes they're dumb jocks that narrative is old it's played out, actually, completely played out. So when I see that the NFL has a program that I've never heard of in my entire life, it's the crossover program. It is involving um, Harvard University in their business program. And to read, had to have to look this up um, myself to, to hear about this program. Every year, the NFL sends 40 players from around the world to Harvard for a business school experience. And Jalen Richard 
was a member of the Oakland Raiders, undrafted free agent, and he went through this program um, this year. But um, all these news sites want to put out all this negative stuff, but they're not not going to get this out here to us that something something good is going on with these athletes. They're thinking about life after football, and the NFL is preparing them as such. It's amazing to me that Jalen Richard was an undrafted free agent. Um, he won't carry the ball a whole lot, but he is the Las Vegas Raiders' Chris Thompson. You know, he makes it go in that um, on passing downs. He's slippery. He's feisty. He's, he's everything um, the commit, commitment to Ellis a- excellent needs. Um, he'll be coming back this year, and I think his role will be defined. He also has opened a marketing company um, that is working towards helping second- and third-tier athletes market themselves better during their careers and going into after their careers. And that is the approach he's taken to uh, the just dribble narrative. I wanted to get that in. This is going to be an offbeat kind of podcast. And if I see things that I, I find interesting, I'm always going to bring them to you. And that was one of those things. Shout out to Jalen Richard for changing the just dribble narrative and all the other 40 um, athletes that participated in the program. Sounds very interesting. Make sure to check it out on the Raiders website. I really want to play the clip. I'm not sure if I have permission to. So. I'm just going to speak about it, and I'll drop a link in chat in the live feed. If you guys want to check this out, I have it up for you right now. I'll drop it right now. Check this out. You guys can read the article pertaining to what we just talked about. Boom. Damn, son. Next up on the list, um, like I said, we are going to go off a beaten path more times than not, you know? And the next subject, let me grab my notes here, is about a player. That is go- has flown under the radar. I'm talking about value, valuable contribute, contribute, contributions from the back, the uh, the back of the uh, room, the back of the house, the, the defensive backfield is what I'm trying to get out. Uh, Eric Harris, the NFL just dropped its top 25 defensive plays of last year, and Eric Harris of the Las Vegas Raiders is on there twice. Now, what if I was to tell you? That the Raiders' pass rushing um, the year before last was abysmal. It improved slightly. But the Raiders are not producing enough turnovers on defense. They're not getting oh, to the ball. Yeah. Welcome to the stream, you guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Necroni, for the host. You guys make yourself comfortable. We're in the middle of a podcast. Make yourself comfortable. So we have uh, safety, 30 years old. Um, in the league, I believe they said four years, he led the team in interceptions. He really got an opportunity to showcase his talent when Jonathan Abrams went down because he played in 14 games. Yeah. Eric Harris, y'all like, who? Who? Check out the NFL's top 25 defensive plays. He's owned near twice. He caught three interceptions, which is the team leading three interceptions, right? Um, And two of those he took to the house. He was second on the team in tackles. And I'm I'm just one of those guys who was like, have you heard of, have you heard him mentioned in any name? Like, um, I just wanted to shed some light on Eric Harris. I'm going to drop in the chat the top 25 defensive plays of the NFL in 2019. You can check out the, the plays that he made. Um, I think um, having a veteran like that in a locker room that shows he's willing to put everything on the line, 
um, will help out in the locker room. And I also like his style. I remember, I want to say two of those interceptions came in one game, and he was just in a position to make a play. And I should probably tell you guys, he's not going nowhere. He should have. I would be extremely upset if our second-leading tackler last year and a team-leading in interceptions does not make the team. I believe he's earned his right to be on the team, and it would be an injustice to Raiders Nation to not keep this guy around. I'm rooting for Eric Harris. Um, and if you don't believe me, second on the team in tackles, led the team in interceptions. Go look it up for yourself. I found it surprising. Um, nobody on the team had more than one interception. He had three. And two of those he took for the touchdown. For a touchdown. There were no other defensive touchdowns let me see, that I can see of last year than his. So I, I think... Moving forward, if the Raiders want to climb up out the cellar, if they don't want to be considered pushovers in the NFL, they're going to have to create they, – they got to get more three and outs for sure. They got to get to the quarterback more. And they have to get more than – what was that, 10 interceptions on a year? Let's see, I don't even think it was 10. No, 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 no. That is not the recipe for success. Not one bit. Dun, 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 dun. Total interceptions for yeah, I was right, ten exactly. Uh, and yeah, two touchdowns. We need more to get, more to get. Sometimes I forget there's a corner of the internet dedicated to football news. There is, oh, there he is. There's not a lot of whole football news happening right now, X Square. But we're, I'm, I'm digging around and just trying not to regurgitate things you've heard earlier in the week. So we're going to stay on our path. And shout out to Eric Harris, man. Wish you the best this season. Look forward to seeing you out there dropping that hammer. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think he'll get as much run because we have Jonathan Abrams coming back. And then we made just made the addition of Prince Akamanor from Nebraska. I'm a Cornhusker friend. We're going to talk more about if that was a good signing later in the, in the cast. The next part of the show is it was asked a bunch a questions from the Back Row Network. Thank you. I think his name is Daniel that runs the Back Row Giant Show. Also, the host of the Back Row Show Cowboys asked a couple of questions to help me get this show out here to you guys. So I want to say thank you to you guys. And um, I want to give you guys a Ruggs breakdown compared to, um, you guys, Ruggs has been, we get these 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 comps. We get these comps and you want to, you want to, Freaking compare, oh, he has 4-2 speed. Who else has 4-2 speeds? We know it doesn't necessarily work like that. But now that we got football being announced and drafts are happening, I want to take it over to the other side, the dark side, and talk about. I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room. I'm going to talk about fantasy football, that is. Um, where do you see Ruggs performing this year? What's his floor? What's his ceiling? Um, I want to take a look back at two players that he's been comp to. And a lot of people say uh, Henry Ruggs is closer to a Deshaun Jackson than a Tyreek Hill. But let's not forget players like John Ross, Darius Hayward Bay. Uh, I had a couple of more uh, people, but I was going to draw James Jett in there, but James Jett actually had a good career. So what we'll do is we are going to see if we can find out what is Henry Ruggs ceiling his first year coming into the league. From looking at a couple of stats, I tried to determine 
about uh, uh, um, a best case scenario, and then we'll work our way down from there. I think best case scenario, Henry Ruggs has 60 catches. That is if he 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 gets on the field, he plays a ton of snaps, and he just performs like a top rookie in their first year. That's the best case scenario I'm saying, 60 catches. I'm going to tell you why in a second. No, I'm going to tell you now, why right now. No receiver in, in, in last year's rookie class caught over 60 balls. I think there was one. I said no, but I um, could have that up here too. So that's pretty much saying, and that's, I went back a couple of years. 60 is a good, good parameter for a rookie wide receivers doing really well. So I, I went a little further and we took a look at Tyreek Hill rookie season. And we took a look at Deshaun Jackson rookie season. In Tyreek Hill's rookie season, he caught 61 passes catching balls from Alex Smith. That is important to this, this finding of this ceiling, right? So in year one, <laughs> so in year one, Tyreek Hill started one game. Tyreek Hill caught 61 balls from Alex Smith for 593 yards. Remember that number. Under 600 yards receiving. You know what saved him was six touchdowns. We'll take six touchdowns from a rookie, right? And another thing that helped Tyreek Hill be so special in his first year, he had 24 rushing carries. What? He had three touchdowns on that. He had long runs. He averaged 18.4 yards a carry on 24 carries. Think about that. Think about that for a second. You know what else made Tyreek Hill amazing his first season? Oh, you know it. That's the return game. Yep, that's the return game. He had uh, three touchdowns returning at 18.4 average. So if you was to take his, his rushing and his return game out of this equation, you're dealing with a six touchdown, 600-yard receiving on 61 catches starting one game. One game. That's going to come into play. So let's tell you, okay, so is Henry Ruggs more like a Deshaun Jackson than a Tyreek Hill? From looking at these stats, I would say neither, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. In Deshaun Jackson's first year, he caught 62 balls for 900 yards, almost a 1,000-yard season, and two touchdowns. You see the difference between these two guys? More yards for this one. One more catch, four or less touchdowns. These are the shot guys, more, more or not. And in, excuse me, also Deshaun Jackson in his rookie year ran the ball 17 times for a 5.6 average, and he scored one touchdown with four fumbles in 17 carries. Uh-huh. So. Looking at that, something said, go take a look at Hunter Renfro stats from this last year. 49 catches, 605 yards, four touchdowns. And we all know Hunter Renfro didn't come on until late in the season. But he's a target hog. It touches hands. He's going to make the catch. Right or wrong, right or wrong. So with that being said, I don't think um, somebody also asked me, um, um, Hunter Renfro's skill set 
is really important. Um, that's why I think uh, he's going to lead the team in receptions this year, maybe not touchdowns, but he's going to have the ball in his hand a lot. I, be- I look at Henry Ruggs as serving a purpose to um, create some space, be a shot guy, but something that Raiders need really bad is a game changer in a return game. The return game did not yield much success last year. Trevor Davis was pretty much got most of the returns. I doubt he makes the team this year. So something said, okay, let me go look at Ruggs um, rushing from college and Ruggs um, kickoff return from college. He did not. He's, he came out of uh, college as a junior. He ran the ball, I think, seven times in three years. Um, and he had one touchdown, a long touchdown of 79 yards. But didn't flash in the return game. No, no touchdowns. Um, ran the ball seven times in three years. So it's easy to say that maybe in the college offense he was not showcase. He wasn't showcased that way. But Deshaun Jackson and Tyreek Hill was. It was what something they had under their hat coming out of college. I want you guys that are drafting Henry Ruggs to take that in consideration. Of course, we'll be good with Ruggs getting sixty catches and a thousand yards and. Four or five touchdowns. But you have to take into consideration who was Alex Smith's quarterback? Who was Deshaun Jackson's quarterback? What were they offense like? Like when you when you look, think into Tyreek Hill in the Kansas City Chiefs, who I believe the Raiders is trying to get after the Chiefs. And I'm going to talk about something later that I think the Raiders should do. Um, if you take the the Kansas City Chiefs offense last season, Raider Nation, they had speedsters. All around, they have Sammy Watkins. I know y'all hate that name in fantasy, right? They have Nicole Hardman. They have Tyreek Hill. They have Demarcus Robinson. They have so many speedsters and weapons, it's, you can't cover them all. That is not so the case with the Raiders. And albeit, Alex Smith has been called a game manager and check down Charlie. But what do you think David Carr has been called? You know, efficient. Game manager has a Southwest moment sometimes in games at the, the biggest, at the biggest times. But he's he's no Patrick Mahomes. He's closer to an Alex Smith. So you, we, we really didn't see a, a production jump, like amazingly, like somebody who can take those shots strategically to somebody like uh, Tyreek Hill or Deshaun Jackson. So I want you guys to temper your expectations when talking about Henry Ruggs. I do not think his snap caps will be high because we're going to talk about this right now and go into this. And it's in correlation. All this is in correlation with each other. I was also asked, Darren Waller was a breakout last year. Does Witten addition hurt Waller's um, production this year or his role? And I want to say, I forgot who asked me that. But I want to say you're looking at the wrong cat. Um, Witten, I'm 100% sound in saying that the Las Vegas Raiders tight end room is going to be one of the better ones in the NFL. Hear me out. Hear me out. (laughs) So this is is the show. We're going to talk about everything nobody's paying attention to. 
What I don't understand how Eric Harris isn't talked about his contributions to the team last no more as a replacement player. Come on, cuz. Come on, Craig. So we go go and talk about Darren Waller having snaps or rep, reps taken away from him because Jason Witten, a, a, a Hall of Famer, has came along. Is he going to take some of his shine? I don't think so. I think that's just only going to strengthen that locker room. And yes, Witten is a beast in the red zone. But you guys are forgetting Foster Moreno. Now, what? Who? The the, the 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 I don't even know what I was about to say. The Las Vegas Raiders selected Foster Monroe last year in the fourth round of the draft, and they found a gym. You want to know why? Of his – let me get these stats in front of me because I'm surprising myself about this. Like, no bullpucky. You know what I mean? Let's check out receptions. You guys can look this up with me if you want to. So, Foster Morono had 25 targets, 21 receptions. His catch radius, uh, catch percentage is 84%. And you know of those 21 receptions, he got five touchdowns. Five touchdowns, very efficient inside the 20. He's strong. He's a, a exceptionally well at blocking. He's like a Gruden guy. He's four years younger than Waller's. For fantasy players, this might not be the year because Waller just signed up. But you guys got to look at this guy. And I don't think it would be Jason Winton, the 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 biggest problem for Darren Waller. Um, uh, Foster Morono is talented. Um, Gruden likes him. I can see possibly see us going to three tight end sets. Who's on the field when we go to a three tight end set? A two tight end set. Who's our wide receivers? We have a nice fullback, Raider Nation. Yes, we do. You guys see what I'm saying here? There's going to be opportunities for rugs, but are there going to be jet sweeps for rugs, or will it be for Bowden? Are there going to be jet sweeps for uh, Tyrell Williams, Brian Edwards? Uh, there's so many weapons that are going to be on this team. I see... Um, I see Henry Ruggs being more of the joker, um, less snap caps uh, counts um, than some of the other receivers. And let's not forget, um, Terrell Williams is still there. So when people ask me, do you think Jason Witten will hurt the value of one said Waller? No, I don't think so. I think we're going to have to worry about more Foster Moreau. Take a look at his stats. 25 targets. 21 receptions, five touchdowns. To me, that's very telling. I don't know if it, it stems from Darren Waller seeing so much attention. They'd be like, ah, oh, let that guy go. Let that guy run free. But you just don't easily, you just don't fall in the end zone unless you're Eric Ebron with five t touchdowns. You heard me? Unless you're Eric Ebron, it's not happening. All right, let's get our notes back up here. So we talked about rugs, and I I think that I don't I, don't, I gave you guys my feelings about that. Tyrod Williams is 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 on the outside looking in. I don't think so. Uh, I think we spoke about that foot injury that he had last year. I think we spoke about how I don't think he's a wide receiver one. Maybe as a fill in. Uh, I don't think that Henry Ruggs is going to demand uh, cornerback one coverage now they may 
Uh, see, see, corners are going to follow the biggest threat, right? And if you have a speedy corner, maybe you have that speedy corner kind of shadow Henry Ruggs. And your speedy corner might not be your best corner. So Tyrell Williams may still draw number one defensive back coverage. And it's not it's, Tyrell Williams uh, doesn't have the dog in him. And if he doesn't get the dog in him soon, he won't be a Raider for long. I'm not sure about the contract breakdown, but he has to go into this season with the mentality. He's the number one on his team. He has to walk the walk. He has to make the defense pay for making mistakes. If he doesn't, it's going to be another long season. Rookies just don't come in knowing it all. There is a learning curve. There is um, so many um, contributing factors. I'm just, I'm just not sold on rugs. A lot of people out here is even saying, look at um, Brian Edwards as a possibility of doing well in fantasy. And I, I could see him getting in in the red zone. I hear he's a complete route runner. But I can very well easily seeing the Raiders inside the 10 going heavy, having Witten on the field, uh, Foster Monroe, single back. Uh, uh, it's just so many things that I, I see the Raiders, if they're smart, they'll do. And they'll use all their weapons. And they have to be over the fact of trying to put a circle, a square in, in, into a circle. It's just, it's just not, not going to work. Um, you're actually going to help out the defenses if you show your hand, okay? Play a little poker while you're out there, will you? Okay, so we, we covered the rugs breakdown of how I feel about him, how he compares to not having any rushing to show in the stats from college, any kickoff returns except for one. But like I said, have not been showcased. It's, it's possible that, that those qualities wasn't showcased in college. If they wasn't showcased in college, it may take a while before they develop in the NFL is what I'm saying, Craig. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So um, now I'm going to I'm going to get into a little hot take, little hot take. Okay, now here we go. Where do you, where would, I was asked this question, and I got a bunch of, when I answered. So, I wish I could, I should have wrote down who was asking me these questions from the Back Row Network. They're going to stick their foot up my butt for not shouting them out correctly. <laughs> where would Josh, Josh Jacobs, the Raiders starting bruiser, uh, running back, where would he fall in this year's rookie draft and why? So if you guys want to come in here and yell at me for my where I say he would, you guys are more than welcome. I would like, if, if we were drafting this year and Josh Jacobs was in this year's draft class, I think he would be my one-on-one. Um, I got a couple of a tug-of-war pullbacks when I mentioned that because uh, people were saying, uh, really? Over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Over Swift? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, why? I said, we, we know what we're getting with Josh Jacobs from just seeing him play last year. With what I know he would be. 
the one-on-one. If you could take the memory of last year away from me, that would change my answer. But I don't see how anybody, anybody playing fantasy football, knowing what they know about Josh Jacobs and not knowing anything about um, these these rookies that are coming in, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the league about what have you done for me lately. They're rookies. They're in preschool right now. If I can get some some similar stats, maybe a little better, or if I can get, screw that, screw that. If we could get um, the same production from Josh Jacobs last year, this year, I think he's. And, and maybe that's crazy to think, but you just can't take these names and landing spots and just, that's like, that's like giving out participation awards, in my in my opinion. You're just pretty much claiming them the champ. I need a little bit more data. Okay, Craig? I need a little bit more data. Shout out to the Alakazam King. Um, with that being said, I would take him in a heartbeat. Um, and I, I can't clarify or explain more than I, my my decision has been tainted because I've seen him in the NFL. I ain't seen none of these guys in the NFL. We all know about the 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 Anthony Thomas Thomases of the worlds, the um Dre Archers, the and then these both were running backs with tremendous hype coming out of college. You just knew they were going to be special. Uh Kwan Barner, I think I, I said his name. Oh, are these all Oregon players? I don't know. I'm not sure. But uh, it seems like it. Don't draft Oregon players is what I'm trying to say. Um so yeah, I, I think I would I would go with Josh Jacobs one on one. You guys can let me know at the network one. Tweet at me, yell at me, snap at me. And I'll read them on the air, you guys. Where would you guys put Josh Jacobs in this year's rookie draft in Dynasty? All right. I was also asked uh, from the Back Row Network, who needs to improve the most out of last year rookies? Well, I'm gonna tell you this, and I think most people will agree with me. Um, and most people would probably say uh, Colin Farrell, Colin, Colin sounds like a, a intestines. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of people would go with the defensive end because he seemed to get not actually sliding as well as Max Crosby. But I would have to, I would be going with um, Jonathan Abrams. We 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 haven't really seen what he what he will become yet we know he's a a hard-hitting ball hawking great tackler 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 um but i think for this defense to take a step forward there's going to be need needed some fumbles to be created some 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 mean gutsy bill romanowski day kind of level of just grit uh a Vontes perfect style. I know that's not that. you guys. That's just that that spirit, that drive, that energy, that that by all means necessary kind of kind of attitude. Damn! Uh, everybody ain't gonna like that, but the Raiders need some of that, and I think he needs to improve the most of all last year rookies to change the the narrative of this defense. Just just get his defense some some some, some attitude. Just bring a little. Is he isn't he wearing Charles Wilson's number? I think did he get permission? I can't remember. I'm looking forward to that rookie sending out in this upcoming season. Um, it was also asked was uh Derek Carr uh, was efficient, but Mariota being in town is it a curtain call for Carr? I don't think so. Carr would love to do something like Teddy Bridgewater did 
sit in the system, maybe get some playing time due to injury. We're not wishing that. But he only, he's only on a one-year deal. Carr has more years left. It's pretty much Carr's job to lose. And I don't think, I don't think uh, Mariota, if, if he does come in and he does perform well, he's going to be, have, to be, have to get another contract. So, and if he does extremely well, I don't, I don't know, no, even know how that all works out. So, I think he's a stopgap. I don't think we've had a quarterback of his draft capital, at least, play backup in years, in years. So, I, I like the fact that if something does happen to Carr, we got somebody with a lot of starts under their belt. And apparently, I read somewhere, once Ryan Tannehill lost his job, I mean, Marcus Mariota lost his job, and Tannehill got it. Marcus got a lot better. Um, one of the defensive players um, for the Titans said, Marcus grew up by being benched. He never got his opportunity back. But at practice, he tore us up all year. All year. And I like to hear that. I, I like to hear Sometimes they need a little kick in the butt. So... He may be capable. He may be healthy. He may light a little fire under Derek Carr's butt. Like, I think Derek Carr had some of those Southwest moments in games where it looked really bad, a part of his decision-making. Having that young man and seeing what that young man went through last year with Ryan Tannehill on the sideline, he'd be like, wait, that could be me. Maybe just enough. Can you imagine being out there on the field and being like, I need to win this game. You look over. You don't have no pressure. Ain't no pressure on that sideline coming for you. You can kind of just willy-nilly. But now when you when you get looking at Hunter, you look over at the sideline, you got a, a capable starter sitting over there. Possibly. Maybe that changes your mentality of taking some of these chances that just look like bonehead ideas. So that's it, it is, it, David Carr's attitude is always so positive. He can play like donkey balls, and in his press conference, he owns up to his mistakes. And, and, and uh, uh, quite honestly, Raider Nation is getting tired of that shit. Uh, my bad. Sorry, bro. We, we love the positivity. We love the accountability. But that only goes so far. So the person that asked me that, I know. I, I understand where you're coming from. But if you look at the numbers, he's not that bad. But it's not all about the numbers. It's not all about, about the numbers. Hey, welcome to the stream. Welcome to the stream, Assign. Thank you so much for activating that lurk. All right, we're going to wrap it up here soon. Another thing we wanted to talk about today was... <laughs> was Prince Akamanura a good signing? The Raiders have added depth to their secondary, and I'm a homer. Yes, Prince went to the University of Nebraska. Huge fan. Huge fan. Um, I think it, it adds depth. It uh, um, relieves some of the pressure put on some of our younger cornerbacks. Uh, I believe he's a good tackler. I don't believe he's that good at uh, ball hawking. But I'm really, really glad the Raiders decided to sign him. Also, he comes at a deal. He comes at a deal. He's a 30-year-old veteran that is not demanding a lot of money. He's actually a decent price cut from when they tried to sign uh, Eli Apple earlier during free agency. So, 
for the price tag and what he's going to be able to bring to this team, I think it was a good signing. On the other hand, there's a free agent out there, you guys. I would love, love for the Raiders to sign. Um, multiple reasons. Um, I followed this player around quite some time. Um, the Raiders are competing with the Broncos and the Chiefs. They grabbed up Devontae Booker from Grant High School, Bay Area native. That's that pipeline thing. You guys didn't know. Devontae Booker was from the Bay Area, did you? Yeah, pipeline. Um, but he has probably a chip on his shoulder. He's going to be able to play the Denver Broncos twice a year. Um, similar running style as uh, Jonathan Jacobs. I mean, Josh Jacobs. Um, I think the next player the Raiders should sign, and we're running out of spaces. I know, I know. I, know. Um, I won't. I, I think the, the person I want the Raiders to sign would have been a, a better fit. Same age as Prince. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but Eric Berry. Uh, we know Eric Berry's health issues recently, um, fighting cancer. Um, I think he feels disgruntled about the way he was treated in Kansas City. He's on the free agent market. I think you, you can get him on a one-year prove-it deal. And I know for sure, at least two games out the year, he's going to put everything um, down, everything on the line. He's going to give it his all against the Kansas City Chiefs. Why don't you give him a call? Kick the tires through training camp. Offer him a one-year deal. Um, he might not take that. You know, we're going to get some injuries. There's going to be a safety go down. and Somebody's going to give him a call. Go get go get your chief. He knows the offense, knows the defense, probably the ins and outs, strengths and weaknesses of certain players, possibly, even though I don't think he's been here in, what, two years? But go ahead and sign Eric Berry, y'all. Go ahead and sign. You, you got Jason Witten. You need, you need these, these character guys. You know, you, you're drafting all these guys from Syracuse and Alabama, and you're, you're trying to just get this culture change. Go get you Eric Berry. Eric Berry has some stories to tell in the, in the locker room that can be extremely valuable to our younger players. We got all these young cats. They, they, they don't know how to be professionals yet. Surround them with, with people. Good court. Eric Berry's never been in trouble. You, you almost cussed. Almost cussed. We're going to freaking Las Vegas, the city that never sleeps. There's all kind of trouble these, these players can get into. So I, I I like the print signing, same age I believe as Eric Berry. Let's get one more. Let's 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 make them them young players work for that roster spot. Okay, okay, pumpkin. Um, that's another thing too. I I wanted to say about um, what did I just say? Training facilities in Napa, uh, pipelines. I said a pi pipeline thing, and I was meaning to grab that into the pipelines. But I think um, yeah, that that pretty much will end today's show. I'll take a look at it. We're one step closer to having some football. I want to say thank you to everybody out there at the Back Row Network, everybody over there at Twitch. Shout out to my Lenevo Rewards. You guys go to my Lenevo Rewards, Lenevo.com. Log in, create an account. We have an exclusive code, the Back Row Show. Enter that code in the uh, exclusive code section. You will get an instant $10 and possibly even more. Lenevo, Lenevo if you're looking into buying some 
hardware, software, some peripherals, a mouse pad, a keyboard or something, we can get you about up to probably $15 off of any purchase you make. Check it out. It will be, I believe the link to it will be in the show notes. You can check, also find the link on my Twitter page. Come get that free money, son. Um, other than that, if you guys have any questions in chat, feel free to ask them. This is a uh, question and ask, uh, answer time. Um, and you guys can always join. We'll figure out a schedule. Uh, and you guys can come over to Twitch or you guys can jump over to YouTube and catch the live version. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all. Shout out to Fantasy Few um, and the um, Back Row Network. Help me get this podcast together. We're taking some notes now, taking a different approach to it. Episode number five. I want you guys to stay safe out there. Um, enjoy your Memorial Day. Use the best, best, best discretion. And we go get out of here. We'll catch you again next week, you guys. Not y'all. I'm not going nowhere or live stream. We can talk a little bit more. We go, we go shut down this recording now. I will catch you on the flip side. Raider Nation. Let's go. I'm a Shake